Welcome to the Effective Church Leaders Podcast, where we offer practical advice and insights to help you get better equipped, lead more effectively, and help your church thrive. I'm your host, Carrie Holton, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Becky Holton. That's me. (laughs) My lovely co-host, who is wrapped up in a blanket across from me. What's the deal? I'm cold. It's cold today. (laughs) It's a little chilly today, isn't it? Yes, Bobby Budget. We could turn the temperature up in the house (laughs) just a little bit. I guess it wouldn't hurt to do that. Right. I mean, what's a few more pennies for Pete's sake? Oh, my. (laughs) Well, friends, today we're continuing our series on how to attract more guests to our Sunday morning assembly. In an episode number one of this series, we talked about why we should be concerned about outsiders. And it had to do with why we exist and our mission to make disciples. We also talked about what the Bible teaches about the purpose of the Sunday morning assembly, that it allows God's people to express their adoration for the and love for God, and that it should also be to edify the church, and that it should be designed with outsiders in mind. That's right. Our first suggestion in that first episode for church leaders who want to reach out to attract more guests to their weekend assembly was this. Design that assembly with both believers and unbelievers in mind. That seems to be what the Apostle Paul encouraged the church at Corinth to do in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now, in this episode, we want to offer a second general suggestion for attracting more guests to the assembly. It is to create a compelling service, a Sunday morning assembly that is compelling. Hmm. I think our listeners are going to find this conversation very interesting, as am I. But let me ask you first, what do you mean by compelling? It's an interesting word. Good question. Well, we're talking about a worship service that helps people, one that is edifying, even practical, one that makes a difference in their lives. One that leaves them saying, man, I'm glad I came to worship today. That was so good. I guess, too, we're talking about some degree of quality in that assembly. Well, you know, I can already hear in my mind some objections to what you just said. And one objection that some may raise is that the worship assembly is not for us. It's for God. Well, fair enough. Uh, We addressed that subject in our last episode. So if our listeners haven't heard that, we want to encourage them to go back and listen to that one. We talked about this. When we gather for worship, our concern is to give God the worship, adoration, and gratitude he deserves. But that doesn't mean that we are not supposed to get something out of the assembly. The assembly should edify those who participate. That's what 1 Corinthians 14 teaches. In fact, we even said that actually we are edified when we worship God from the heart. So both of those two reasons or purposes for the assembly are important. We, we do meet to worship God from the heart, but we also expect to get something out of the assembly. We expect to be edified. That's 1 Corinthians 14. I think we should also say that if we are not trying to create a compelling service, one that benefits those who gather and participate, can we expect people, especially unbelievers, to attend? I doubt it. Believers may and do attend worship assemblies that are less than compelling. But unbelievers, will they? I would say that if your service, if your assembly doesn't feel worth their time, they won't come back. They won't come at all. In fact, the same may be said for not fully committed disciples. 
they too might not come to the assembly mm-hmm. when it's not worth their time or when they feel it's not worth their time. I agree. You know, you you mentioned that there needs to be a degree of quality in the worship service. Let's talk a little bit more about that. What does that mean? All I'm saying here is that in that Sunday morning worship assembly, the church needs to put her best foot forward. The leaders need to try to make that time together as good, as rich, as edifying, as beneficial as it can be. Yes. And, and first, because God deserves that, doesn't he? I mean, doesn't God deserve our best efforts to worship and serve him? Yes, of course. We could talk about what our best looks like, but surely, whatever that is, God deserves it. In addition, those who attend our gatherings and participate in our weekend services deserve our best. That hour they choose to come needs to be worth their time. This applies to both believers who are part of our body or insiders, as well as unbelievers or outsiders. You know, I have read, and I certainly believe it to be true, that for most churches, the Sunday morning service is one of their primary growth engines, or what pushes a church forward. And I, and think about that. You know, for many people, this is the entry point to engagement with the church. I, I actually would say that a church's website is today's front door. That is often a guest's first engagement or encounter with a particular church. But close on the heels of that first encounter via the website is the Sunday morning assembly. That's the place and the time when guests check out the church and they see if it has something to offer, is something they want, where they can feel comfortable. Is this a place where they can receive help, spiritual help especially? Yes. So that Sunday morning worship is very, very important. Hi, folks. One of the resources we provide is an online Bible study community. Before the end of last year, we finished our study of the letter to Hebrews, and just a few days ago, we began a brand new study of the Gospel of Luke. And it is not too late to join our merry band. We use a very simple method to meet up with God every day, which, you know, as church leaders, we we know how vital that is to do. And For more information on how to join us, you might uh, want to go to our website, EffectiveChurchLeaders.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and click on the hashtag PrayingLuke tab. You guys, I love this community. It is so encouraging to pray together, read other people's prayers that are shared. It is one of my favorite things to do when I get up early in the morning is to read other prayers and share mine. And we would just love for you to join us. So look it up and join us and, and find a new way to connect with God and others. Yes, I would agree, hon. The Sunday morning assembly is very important. It's a growth engine. Because of this, the Sunday morning service should not be amateur hour. This is the time when the church wants to put her best foot forward to make the best impression they can for the Lord. I guess I'm saying here that this is not the time then to train others, be they preachers or worship leaders or those who give talks at the Lord's table or those who lead prayers, or even those who read scripture publicly, this is not the time 
to train people to do that. We can find other times on the church calendar to train worship leaders. That hour on Sunday morning when the church gathers for worship and edification and when we have the best chance of welcoming visitors, that's a very important hour. Let's do our best to make that hour worthwhile for everyone who comes. Okay, I mean, I agree with what you're saying, but I'm hearing another objection. (laughs) I I think someone could easily say, well, let's not turn the Sunday morning worship assembly over to just the professionals. Yes, well, I've heard that objection myself. In fact, I've heard preachers say it, which when you think about it is ironic. After all, aren't preachers professionals? Yes. They are well-trained and usually paid to do what they do, I think that means that they themselves could be identified as professionals. I would agree. Well, look, I understand the reluctance to turn the leadership of and participation in worship over to the professionals. We do believe in the priesthood of all believers, and we certainly don't want to create some kind of caste system in the church. But shouldn't we try to do things in a professional way? Again, doesn't God deserve our best? And don't people deserve our best? Yes, and I, I couldn't agree more. You know, what is what are we communicating to God especially? Is this just a half hearted thing or and, and I also think it's important for us to consider if the people that we are asking to lead in our worship assemblies, if they're using their gifts, are they even gifted yes. in this way? We read some verses about that last um, episode was on giftedness and this right. is certainly something that comes into play here. But let's get down to some practical suggestions. What does a compelling service look like? What would it look like to do church on Sunday morning in a professional way? Can you give us suggestions for what it means to put your best foot forward, as you said earlier? Good question. Well, well, here's where the rubber meets the road, I guess, right? Yeah. Uh, first, I guess it goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway, <laughs> that putting our best foot forward means that we would give attention to the preaching and the teaching. Now, I don't want to oversimplify this, and it really is a big topic that deserves a series of standalone podcasts, but to give attention to our preaching and teaching means that messages are Bible-based, Christ-centered, and more often than not, not issue-oriented. And I know that all the ministers and preachers who are listening to me now would agree with that. Ministers will want to give careful attention to the interpretation of Scripture, but also the application of it. And my opinion is that many of us have been skilled at the former, but a tad weak on the latter. Most preachers put a lot of thought and study into their lessons, what the Scriptures teach, and exposing that text for us and helping us to understand it. And that's the way it should be. But application, well, that's important too, isn't it? I think application to life is absolutely essential. I think messages need to be relevant to life. And we could take that back to what we were talking about earlier as part of the front door. Do the messages have anything that are relevant to my life? Are they going to help me? Um, Is there a way that I can take this information that was preached and plug it into my life tomorrow when I go to work? I need help. Right. Well, you do need help. Well, we all know that. (laughs) There's a long line of people that would say, I need help. (laughs) No, I'm just teasing you. No, Uh, you're not. No. (laughs) This is the time to apply the meaning of Scripture to life. I like what you said. It It needs to be relevant to life. One way to do that is to ensure that messages 
answer the questions that people are asking. We could say a lot more about the kind of preaching and teaching that is practical and compelling, but we should probably leave that for another podcast and for another day. You know, and that's something we might want to talk about in the someday down the road I about so. this type of preaching because there is so much more that's communicated from the pulpit than the words that are said. But like you said, for another day. But I do want to ask you, do you have some other suggestions on how to create a compelling service and how to put our best foot forward? Well, of course I do. Of course you do. (laughs) (laughs) I would respectfully suggest that churches should also give attention, well, while they're giving attention to the preaching and the teaching and making that the best that it can be, I would suggest that they should also give attention to their worship and to those who lead their worship. Absolutely. You know, normally (laughs) we don't let just any Tom, Dick, or Harry who thinks he can preach get up to preach. We recognize that our preachers need to have some degree of training, some degree of spirituality, some degree of professionalism. Yes. However, for some reason, some churches, they let just about anyone lead worship. But isn't our worship just as important as our preaching? I know where you're going with this right now. I can feel it in my bones. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to share a story with our listeners that you and I have talked about oh, my word. Uh, repeatedly over the last <laughs> 40 years. I was three, by the way, when uh, this happened. <laughs> this reminds me of something that happened very early in our ministry. We were planting a new church in Connecticut. Now, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? I do. I know exactly where you're going. We started that congregation with about a dozen members, and those first members came from the Danbury Church, and we were in New Milford. And uh, we started uh, we started in January, uh, way back in the past, in the ancient past, it seems like. And uh, we had a regular song leader or a regular worship leader, but there was a new Christian who wanted to try his hand at song leading. He asked our regular song leader if he could lead the following Sunday. Sure, the regular song leader said. The following Sunday... We must have had twice as many visitors as we had members. I'll never forget that. We had people coming in the door we'd never seen before. It was so exciting. Yeah. Now, recall what I just said. We started with about 12 members. Mm-hmm. So they probably doubled our Sunday morning attendance yes. that day. Yes. So our new Christian who wanted to try his hand at song leading got God up. love his heart. Yes, yes. He, he had the best of intentions. Mm-hmm. Good he heart, did. no doubt. Yes. He stood up and he said, all right, let's sing number one in the hymnal. Number one. Let me just ask our listeners, has anybody ever sung number one in the hymnal? (laughs) I doubt it. (laughs) I hadn't. It's as if, bless his heart again, it's as if he had picked up the hymnal and just started at the very beginning and said, well, I think I'll lead this one. Well, he didn't know the song. And by the way, no one else knew the song either. And I'll tell you, that wasn't too edifying for those of us who were members of the body of Christ. (laughs) And I'm sure it wasn't helpful to our visitors. The ones we never saw again? Yeah. Those visitors? I, I don't think any of them ever returned. <laughs> I'm just starting to break out in a sweat right now just thinking about this. It was it was pretty rough. You remember when, when we started singing that song, he started the song and he looked up waiting for us to start it, and we mm-hmm. didn't start it, and, and he started just kind of monotone, and then he quit singing because no one was singing with him. And then he started again. And the second time he started the song, you and I just took off. Yeah, I think you went one way and I went another Yeah, we way. didn't know what we were it singing. It wasn't pretty. It was not good. Yeah. Anyway, the purpose of that illustration is to remind us that we, we ought to train 
our song leaders. We ought to put our best foot forward here. Right. I think our suggestions um, is to use the best you've got to lead the church in worship. I think that's what we're trying to say. And by all means, let's train our worship leaders. I know that sometimes when churches are young and starting, there's not as many people to train. But we're talking about churches that have a lot of a lot of ability but people need training and send your most gifted worship leaders to a, a workshop we've heard great things about Keith Lands Keith Lancaster's work workshop about worship leading and send them someplace where they can be trained and they can learn to improve their skills we've heard about churches that um, will pay to send people to that, and they don't allow them to lead in the worship assembly unless they've had some training because they believe it is that important. You know, I think we should add just here, uh, a lot of times I think churches uh, will put up with song leaders who are really not the best because they don't want to hurt that person's feelings. Yeah. Don't you think that's true? I think so, yeah. And, you know, I we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Oh, good night, no. But when church leaders make that decision, they're actually putting the feelings of that song leader ahead of the spiritual growth, ahead of the equipping of the church. Don't you think that's true? I agree, and I would say, and here's another podcast, that there needs to be another step in there where we help people figure out what their gifts are. Good. Because sometimes people are miserable trying to do something they know they're not gifted to do. They just want to do something. Good. And one of the most wonderful things that we can do for Christians is to put a hand on their shoulder and say, I see that you are gifted in this area. Or have you noticed this about yourself? Or I would love for you to think about developing this particular gift and call those things out because we all have gifts. God's given them to us. And let's plug people into where they can really use that and just grow and thrive instead of putting them in places where they're just miserable along with the rest of us. Yes. Well, forgive me for leading us off on that tangent. To get back to our point, to create a compelling service on Sunday morning, we need to give attention to our preaching and teaching, but we also need to give attention to our worship and to those who lead our worship. Right. I hate to ask this, but before we end, do you have any other suggestions? Because I'm quite sure you probably do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's probably more than enough for now, but while I'm on on this subject, subject. (laughs) let me briefly say, That putting our best foot forward likely means that we will also give attention to the church's sound system, (laughs) to to the keynote or the PowerPoint slides, to those who run them, and to the clock. I'm over here moving my lips like my microphone's not working. Oh, my. (laughs) You know, you're you're really opening up a big can (laughs) of worms here right now. We probably are. But, you know, when a church can't seem to keep fresh batteries in the wireless microphone (laughs) or when the person operating the sound system can't seem to turn on the mics the moment someone starts talking from the front or when the slides can't seem to keep up with the worship leader, well, it's distracting for the Mm -hmm. worship leaders. It hurts our worship, and it makes it much more difficult to be edified. And frankly, it makes us look like we don't know what we're doing really does i i think again if we put this in another context we wouldn't put up with it we wouldn't put up with the bank doing that and we wouldn't put up with other uh, organizations 
presenting themselves in this way. Right. And I, I think we should not put up with it at church, too. I, th- I think we want to leave the impression, especially with our guests, that, that we know what we're doing and we have put time into it and our heart into it. And this is the highlight of our week is to honor God and build each other up and encourage our guests that have come to do that with us. Right. Now, now we're all going to make mistakes. Yes. I mean, things are going to happen, and funny things do happen in church. Hysterical things. Uh, that would we be another write, good podcast. Oh, we could write a book about that yeah, one. Yes, we could. <laughs> so mistakes are made, and, and people are not perfect. I mean, the, the fellow who, or, or the woman who runs the PowerPoint slides and the microphone, they're going to make mistakes every now right, and then. Right, right. But we do want to look like we know what we're doing mm-hmm. in that Sunday morning assembly. It should assembly. be more of an anomaly than a routine. There you go. There you go. Yes. You know, I may be exaggerating here, but I wonder... How will our guests trust us to lead them to a closer walk with God if we don't know how to turn on the auditorium microphones? <laughs> That's true. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. we, we need to look like we know what we're doing because we, we're, we're involved in the biggest mission in the world. Absolutely. Helping people come to know the Lord. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. And, you know, you mentioned the clock oh, earlier. Boy. I know. Here we go again. Well, all I want to say here is we need to respect people's time. Right. You know, you and I can sit through a lengthy worship service, but others may hesitate to do that. We this might is, not be able to walk afterwards. But. <laughs> this is especially true of our guests yes. who may not be accustomed to going to church every Sunday and sitting through an hour to an hour and a half of worship and preaching. You know, I, I think we forget that we are building trust with our guests when they walk in the front door. Mm, good. And what we do lets them know if we are people worthy of trust and people that are worthy to walk alongside of them. And that's not that we make mistakes from time to time. It's that we present ourselves as we respect your time, for one thing. We say we're going to start at this time, and you'll be out by this time. And we're going to respect them with that. That really layers in trust. Some of those Small things really help. Yes. And I, I think both members of the church and outsiders would really appreciate us if we're just more respectful and of their time, of how we make them feel, of keeping an eye on the clock, of whether or not they can even hear what someone is saying up front. You know, if the microphones come on, I think we just communicate a whole lot more than we think we're doing. But I know we better move on. And so as we start to wrap this up, let's do a little review of what we talked about um, before we end. We have said that creating a compelling Sunday morning service will help us to attract more guests and that the Sunday morning assembly is one of the key growth engines for the church. It is one of those really big things that we do to help the church move forward. That it is likely, uh, and that's not likely the time we want to train people to lead worship, but that is the time for the church to put their best foot forward. I mean, not only for the sake of the guests, but also for the sake of believers who deserve to be edified for the assembly, and of course, for God. And we, we also briefly discussed what that might look like for our preaching and teaching and our worship leaders. Yes. But there's so much we could say, but I think that's probably enough for today. I agree. We'll have more suggestions for attracting more guests to our Sunday Assembly next time. Well, friends, thanks again for listening to the Effective Church Leaders podcast, where we offer practical advice and insights to help you get better equipped, lead more effectively, and help your church thrive.